Touch them all, Joe! Today we're joined by Chris Skinner. Chris is a senior leader at CBC here in Canada, where he has a broad mandate in the corporate development group to uncover and create opportunities to grow CBC's many lines of business. Chris and I had the chance to work together for a few years while he led digital for CTV's entertainment portfolio, and I was doing the same with TSN. Chris, welcome to the Backstage Project podcast. How you doing? Very good. Very good. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is my uh, first opportunity to be a guest on a podcast. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for allowing us to take the time and uh, to kind of peer into your history. We uh, we took a look back at uh, kind of your career and your story arc, and uh, for today, you know, because you had such a well-rounded and interesting career path that that continues on, we wanted to get into some of those moments along the way and kind of looking back toward the beginning um you know you you started your your movement toward your career in in what i would have considered at the time maybe an it role when you were at at primus and in the telco business and then uh, quite a while after that you, you moved on to saint joseph's media and and you made that move in, into the media business which you continue to today when you initially made that move back about 15 years ago into media could you really uh, envision that it would pretty much define uh, the balance of your career? Uh, that's that's a really good question, and and, and you're right. It's been a bit of a uh, an odd route to go. Um, you know, I, I I actually started. You know, I started in this business as a as a designer and as, as a UX UX person, and so um, and and that was late, like late nineties. Right around 2000, before the bubble, the first bubble burst, and so um, I, I'd made already a, a transition into into this thing called the web, um, and wasn't sure what kind of leap I was making. And so um, the same thing happened around around 2006. So so yeah. So at, at Primus, I was I was basically leading a, a development group building web-based software, um, um, fairly complex backend software, at least for the time. And so. Uh, but I, I'd always been a, a bit of a, a media head and a news head. And so um, this opportunity at, at St. Joseph Media came up and it was leading their, um, their basically the same thing, their, their, their production and, and development group. Um, at, at the time, St. Joe's had 10 titles or nine titles, magazine titles. And so uh, made the move into in full time into media. But, but no, um, <laughs> I don't know if I really comprehended what I was getting into, you know, because at that time, right, this is 2006. This is this is right around the time where the industry is starting to feel the, the really the first um, impact, um, or I guess the, 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 the impact is first being felt in the media industry of, of digital and digital disruption. Um, as audiences are moving online as and as ad dollars are moving online. So um, and so that was really interesting because, you know, I, I dropped right into a print, this traditionally print media organization. Um, and we kind of had to figure out, well, what's what's the digital play there um, relative to 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 the print product? Um, and then during my time there, I spent six years there. During my time there, then I, I moved over into a business role where I, where I then took on uh, a number of the properties, what we call their lifestyle properties. And so... That was about about looking at how do we drive 
uh, audience? How do we drive revenue? How do we launch new products? Um, launched our first digital only product called the 20 minute supper club. That was a, it was a, a newsletter actually that, that came out of our, our, our wish magazine that, that sadly closed in 2008. Cause this obviously this time overlaps with 2008, which is a big year for all of us, especially in the media business where, where things took a turn with the recession. Um, and so navigated fairly well through that, but, um, but that's, that was at the, the original, um, point in which, you know, we really felt like the, the print business, you know, at the time it was, you know, the, the, the health of magazines or even newspapers was, was in, in some ways defined by the thickness of the book as they called it. Right. Um, which was a measure of ad pages. And so you knew that you knew things were in trouble when a magazine started to get thinner. Um, and, um, and the, the, the general, uh, sense at the time was that, yeah, advertising is down, the pages are gone. Um, but the sense was that they're just not coming back. And when the, when the economy does rebound and come back, then that, that money will not go back into, uh, into print advertising. It'll go back into, uh, into, into digital advertising. And that's, that's where that went. And so I think we did a good job of managing through that time. Um, and so, you know, what, but what, you know, what, it was interesting, what surprised me when I got there was that, was the, 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 the idea that there were really some loyalists around the medium itself, around print, you know, there were print journalists and, and print writers. And, um, you know, I, I would just thought about the content of the stories and in my mind, it didn't matter where it was, where it was, where it was distributed or how consumers got it. Um, as long as they could get it. But um, there was this real culture of, uh, of we are a print company. And so that, that set, that was one of the first light bulbs that kind of went off in my head about the media business. And, and that would play on through and through to the rest of it. I, I do think there's still a, a, a place for print. You know, when, when radio came along, sorry, when television came along, you know, that was, you know, the forecast was that radio was going to be dead and we still have radio today um you know there's still a place for it it's just the the uh, and there's still a good audience segment of course that that likes to have a hard copy um but it's the economics right that are difficult if you if you don't have the kind of scale that you used to have in terms of printing and the and the distribution and delivery of it yeah listen that's um the journey that you had there and some of the observations you made as you were going through it, things that we didn't understand as they were mm -hmm. happening around us. Um, I'm sure when we talk about you know, your time in the television business and specialty television business, we'll, there'll be a lot of similarities to your what you just described in, in, in the print business. We'll just use the term kind of producers uh, instead of writers. Um, mm -hmm. when, you, when you think about the print business, and, and we can maybe use Rogers Media as an example, Rogers Media, you know, 20 plus years ago, maybe 25 years ago, they buy you know, McLean Hunter Publishing. Yeah. Um, you know, recently, within the last year or so, they've, they've sold all of those publishing assets over to St. Joseph's Media. We see this movement of, of writers. Uh, in, in my world, it's mostly sports that I pay attention to, so forgive me for that. But yeah. we see the movement of writers from newspapers uh, initially to television channels. And as the, the digital aspects of those television channels um, have their own challenges with, are we a broadcaster? You know, are we, are we news? Are we print news? Sort of, sort of angle. And then you think about um, what's happening now with, you know, the athletic is, is a, yeah. is, is historically would be a print publication, 
you know, yep. most comparable to like a, a Sports Illustrated. Um, and you can also look to ESPN as they they initially tied their their magazine to mm -hmm. the website. But when you think about the subscription model that the newspaper business started with and the magazine business started with, um, that seems to be, I mean, we, we can easily talk about, about Netflix in particular. I mean, Amazon is a little bit of a different animal, um, mm -hmm. but at least with, with Netflix, we, we see that the, there is something to high quality content and paying for it through subscriptions. And have you spent any time, maybe not at CBC, but just on your own thinking about when, when you have high quality content, um, yeah. you can't just have it ad supported. And, and we can just, we can just say, what, what the reason is the reason is because facebook and google have mm -hmm. all of those those digital ad dollars and yeah. it's very difficult to otherwise monetize them yeah yeah it's it's interesting so you know if you skip over this, the bell media and ctv work that i did you know i landed at, at anthem sports and entertainment um as vp of digital um trying to figure out exactly that right small broadcaster traditional linear tv broadcaster um trying to figure out what are the opportunities in um uh, in digital in digital distribution and, and figuring out how do we get our content um, to, and go direct to consumer um, and that and that's exactly it right you've seen you know the athletic is really interesting as a model um, and it's seemingly successful um, at least certain markets are successful we've heard that Toronto in particular is uh, is a profitable center for them um, despite current current pandemic um, issues um, but that's that's exactly it. You know, and if you talk about um, um, you know uh, advertising versus subscriptions, you, you know the other the other the other piece to this, of course, is that is that there's a there's a you know, I think some people have called it an original sin, which was what which was getting tied too directly to advertising and and as a business model, advertising as a as a, a, a subsidizer of content. Um, you know what that did in the end was um, was created this perception that content's either free or it costs very little, and so the value is very little, right? You can get it used to be able to get a newspaper for fifty cents, despite the fact that that the that the news organization had foreign bureaus and 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 local news and sports and business and travel and so on, so on and so forth. And so when the when the advertising started falling out, um, in particular classified advertising. Um, then we then we're left with the same the same cost base. The, the revenue wasn't there, and so and then and then you know some of the early attempts at going out and and, and asking readers and, and subscribers to pay more for news um, was was met with some with some resistance. And so it's taken a long time, I think, to to get back to a point where where there's some recognition of of what the value is um, in that content. So. Um, and the flag does a really good, great, good job at, at, you know, when we were, when I was at, at Anthem, we had acquired, um, uh, what was called TNA wrestling. Um, and it was, uh, um, and, and then rebranded over to impact wrestling. And, and so we launched, um, the global wrestling network, which is now called impact plus or impact wrestling plus, um, basically a, a direct to consumer OTT service and Netflix for, for advertising in, in competition with with what the WWE has done with um, WWE Network. And so that that's really interesting because it goes from a, and the athletic is really a great um, model because it's not general interest, right? The athletic is about 
number one, it's about sports, but it's also local sports, right? You're signing up because you either live in Toronto or Chicago or New York, and you're you're subscribing to your local edition with a local perspective, and so it beca- it, beca- it gets much much more niche. And so, what was great at 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 Anthem with with um, with Impact Wrestling was that um, as a niche audience, I I I've said it before that it's I've never, I've never had the, the, I've never had such a pleasure working with a, with a, with a, uh, with, a, with such a a, 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 a rabid fan base before, right? As, as from an audience perspective, you're the most engaged audience I've ever had the pleasure to work with. Um, and what I mean by that is that they will, they will consume anything you put out there if it's good. They'll tell you when it's not good. Um, they will, they're interested in merchandise. Uh, they're interested in certainly in live events. And so that you can start building out many more pieces, um, around your content that, that, that continue to add and, and add value to the overall business. But, but it's the, it's the need, it comes from a, from a place of being niche. Um, and I still think audiences will, will pay for that because in any, in any one locality, it wasn't enough scale to do that properly, but. Uh, online and digitally, now you can reach globally um, that niche audience and put something together for them. We see we've seen it with USC Fight Pass. Um, you know the 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 World Surf League um, of all organizations, right? There, it, it, uh, sports companies are becoming media companies, right? And so, like WSL, for instance, they launched their own WSL Studios late last year um, with the intent to produce more original content and launch its own direct consumer OTT video platform. So they're not going to get the big uh, traditional um, TV uh, broadcast contracts that begin, they're bringing a lot of money, but the audience is certainly, certainly there globally. Yeah, and that, that shift, I mean, specifically when the properties need to be their own, their own production companies and distributors, we've seen it a little bit in the, uh, for brands as well. Mm-hmm. I think Red Bull, Red Bull most famously. Totally. Um, yeah. who's, who's doing that? The this this movement uh, to over the top, um, and I know obviously CBC has a huge play there with Gem, which we could talk a bit about in, in, later on. Um, you know that because of the the legacy cost and of, of maintaining that bundle mm-hmm. with the with the BDUs here in Canada, um, those the cable distributors, you know that that cost, which is so much is tied to specialty channels and sports in particular. You know, over the last few months, as sports have not been available, yeah. um, we the, the reports that I'm reading, I'm, and I'm sure you're reading the same things, the, the spike in OTT subscriptions, OTT consumptions, the rise for certain demographics of, of Twitch, and um, that the interactivity or the social co-viewing aspect of Twitch, mm-hmm. which it, that's been around for you know, 10, 15 years, that concept. Of, of uh, having the video player itself, whether on your phone or your computer, uh, being a little more interactive. We, we certainly have seen that with, uh, with Facebook in particular, with some of their viewing experience. YouTube really hadn't been, hasn't been able to create it, but this, this Twitch and interactivity and being not just video game streaming, but now sports streaming. You know, we've, I know that Amazon, they have NFL rights, so that gives them a little yeah. privilege that maybe some other broadcasters don't have. Um, the the EPL broadcasts um, that Amazon has rights to have also gone 
mm-hmm. on Twitch, uh, That's just right. to be able to reach that audience. And and because those rights are generally outside of, of the UK, um, Amazon is allowed to take a little more liberties w- w- with the content and, and be creative. I mean, Maybe you can just answer broadly because you're you're so involved in in, in the future of this with the, of of streaming and the audience development where CBC is concerned. You know, how do you look at that interactive component, that co-viewing experience that uh, can happen on, on on a device versus sitting on the couch together? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it feels like that's been a um, a nut that a number of folks have been trying to crack for a while. Um, you know, the the I think the intent or the the original um, idea is that television, I call it television. I, I, I still, you know, television is interesting because I still, I think, of, I now think of television as the appliance in the in the in the home, uh, you know, in your living room, not necessarily the content, but it's always been interchangeable. But you know, in, in traditional television content, the idea that that you know it was a social um, experience. Um, as much as as something for entertainment, um, you know, I, going going back even to back to the CTV days, um, you know, we were approached by a number of different partners who who wanted to solve that piece for us. I just, I don't know. I th- I think there's a there's a segment that that enjoys it, and you know, we've seen different iterations even of of interactive TV, um, uh, choose your own adventure kind of stuff. Um, second screen, we used to call second screen things where... Oh, yeah. We were all guilty you know, of second screening. Yeah, remember remember all that, right? Hey, everybody's got a phone in their hand while they're watching TV. They'll, they're, they they, they want to, they want to, they want something, they want, you know, they want some app in their hand to uh, to go along with what they're watching on TV and, and the fact that that's not quite true. And so, so the, you know, yeah, this keeps coming back over and over again. There hasn't really been a solution to it. And so, so then I start to wonder... Is this a, if we got solutions in search of a problem, is there actually a problem here? Is there, a, I think there's segments of it, of course. It's not, you know, I don't want to paint the, the audience with one brush, but um, there are segments that want it, but on a, on a mass level, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think you'll watch The Amazing Race. Um, I think it's still a lean back experience, right? If you take something like The Amazing Race, I, I think it's, um, there's still for the, for the vast majority of people and for the, for the, for the, 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 the gap or the need that, that, that programming like that serves for somebody, um, in a, at a prime time after work on a weeknight. Um, I, I still think it's a, it's a, I think the focus still needs to be on producing really great lean back experience kind of content. And then if there are other ways to provide some interactive interactivity, then, then great, but I don't, I haven't seen the great clamor again, at least not on a mass scale. And so if we're going to invest, if we're going to invest in tools and experiences and, and other things to go along with, with that kind of content that are more interactive, then again, it's, it's the, it's the economics of it. And it probably works going back to the niche thing. It probably works more at a niche level uh, for certain things than it does at a mass level. And, and maybe that's why, you know, with Twitch, it's interesting because, you know, mostly it started as a, as a, as a video game streaming, um, platform and the, the interactivity is pretty, once it gets to a certain scale, once you get a certain amount of audience in there, a certain number of people, um, then it actually becomes 
completely unusable because there's just actually too much sure. interaction and too much feedback coming in that it's that it's hard to follow. And um, you know, we saw the same thing with the with Periscope when it was around for for the year it was uh, it was. And so so that those are my thoughts. I guess is is like I, I don't know if there's a real mass place for it yet. Thanks for taking a shot. I mean, that's why we're, we're here chatting, you, you and I, because we, we both have our unique perspectives of yeah. what I would call you know, the, the problem to be solved. Yeah. Uh, if I'm using kind of current language, this is certainly not the way that we were taught to think when we got into this business 15, 20 years ago. Um, when you look at media in general, and I'm being very <laughs> general here, you know, it's, it's about capturing hearts, capturing minds, dealing with people's kind of dwell time when they don't have something to do. Now, whether they want to be informed or entertained mm -hmm. or amazed, I mean, these are all, there's all forms of, you can call it media or entertainment that are both very much in, in the digital or technology world or, or also in the physical world. So when I look at, and I will call them experiments, like second screen that you just described. And yeah. when, I, when I look at what we did over time and, and I'll, I'll be very, I'll be very transparent about it. I mean, whether it was you or me or others that we're very close with, we were all being paid to do these things. We were being paid yeah, to go yeah. and see how could the audience remember to come to us, um, whether whether we paid money to go and find them, whether that was through social channels or traditional media. Out of home, I know, was a big part of of your world when you were at CTV. You know, trying to capture this mass audience. Mm -hmm. um, social was a big part of TSN around bar down uh, yeah. when I was there to try and capture more of a relevant topical audience, always trying to drive them, you know, to television, because yeah. that's still when you look at the broadcast media business anyways, that's still where the yeah. lion's share of, of the yeah. revenue is that's where the money is. Yeah. And so this concept of like, I don't, I don't think that technology was trying to find a problem to solve. I think the problem is hard to define. How do you continue to engage people when the content may be varied? When you just described, Chris, the the niche audience that you were working with while you were at Anthem, I think that is way more interesting than maybe the task that you had with CTV, yeah. where you're trying to find a broad audience, you're buying programming that typically mm -hmm. is not your own. And so that audience that might be around, let's say a show like Grey's Anatomy, you know, that's not really, it's your audience on television, but you know, you're not the producers of the show, the, whether it's yeah. social or websites or message groups that are around, um, that show, like you don't control those now, right. give, given your intellectual property rights, you know, within the borders of Canada, you have the ability to monetize it with sponsors through unique partnerships. Um, but ultimately it's not your audience. Exactly. You you hit it right on the head there. And I think you know, when I got when I got to um, CTV, I remember asking, "So who's our audience?" And the and the answer was adults age eighteen to fifty four, uh, roughly split male and female. I said, "Well, that sounds like everybody." And and that was exactly that was the the, the, the fact of it. And and that was that was difficult to get my head around the entire time. Was how do I, how do I, because I'd come from more niche before that, and I ended up going to more niche, and so that, that's exactly it. Where you know when I think about what, how do 
how to attract, engage, and retain an audience, I, I've come to the conclusion that it's, you know, from a, from a television perspective, trying to engage them further while they're watching lean back television, something that was designed and, and, and uh, produced for lean back, um, I think our time could be better spent in other places. And so, so you're right. So, I mean, and you've got, you, you touched on a whole bunch of stuff right there. IP is, a, is a, absolutely a problem and an issue. You know, the old model was, let's certainly here in Canada was for the most part, let's, let's rent someone else's content and put it through our pipes, put a bunch of ads against it and count the money. Um, and now, now we're starting, of course, to see the cracks. And so the, the real opportunity is in the IP, is in owning the content. And so, because now I touched on it a little bit earlier, but go back, go back to a, to a wrestling, um, example, you know, in a world where you can put, you can produce, where you can own a, a, a wrestling promotion, um, and we won't get into the, to the, is it sports or not debate? Cause it's. That's neither here nor there with this one. The fact is it's content. It's on television. People love it. Um, and so, but the fact is you own a wrestling promotion. You put it on TV and it still might be the big dog. It still might get you the, the big the big nugget um, as far as revenue goes. Um, but once you own that, now what else can you do with that, right? And so now the interactivity and the, and the, the way to engage with the audience could be in other ways where you create more of a 360 piece, right? We've got, um, um, you know, um, wrestling is, is a live event, right? So now you've got the opportunity to bring people to the live event. You have uh, personalities and talent within that, right? That need to engage with, with fans um, and with the audience. So you can create one-on-one -on -one -to -one relationships there. You can create newsletters, social media certainly is a big piece of that. Uh, merchandise, like I mentioned, is, is also a big piece of that. And so, um, yeah, I think the idea is, and I hope I'm answering your question, but the, I think the idea for me is that, is that it's no longer just about the TV piece and what we can do there on screen, but now we need to work a little bit harder to provide more of a, of a 360 thing um, because they're just different ways to interact that is, that is more, that is more um, uh, relevant and appropriate when the audience wants it. So, well, I guess the last point I'll, I'll make here is that and when we're talking about the phone and the second screen, I still believe in the idea of the second screen. I just don't believe in the idea that we should be pushing and tr pushing out content and pushing out experiences simultaneously with a television program uh, as, a, as an appointment television thing. We can do the second screen well after the before, during and after the fact on social media, for instance. Right. And for me, that counts. As a second screen, so I think that's where we're. If we're going to talk about where to put our time and our and our energy, then it's things like that. I completely agree with with your perspective, and this is not the opinions we had at the time. This we were no. mo most mostly being told, to, like you need to create new assets um, so we can create more revenue. Yeah, but but remember, in and 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 in you know, in defense of ourselves at the time, it was it's a wild west. It still is a wild like every. Every year we keep keep using the term Wild West because it's a new Wild West. But that Wild West at the time was it was still about experimenting. We had no idea, right? Until you until you throw stuff up there. So I, you know, I will never bash uh, a uh, anyone's uh, willingness to try something new and experiment with something new because it's the only way that we're going to figure it out. 
I think when I look back and on on my career, and and I've said this on maybe not my own podcast, but but another podcast, I talked about the kinds of mandates that we had when we worked, yeah. you know, for a really really big company where the expectations were extraordinarily high to create new revenue opportunities and drive innovation. There was also this aspect of job security, and when we talk about a word like roadmap, yeah, which is probably really important in your in your current role at CBC. I looked at roadmap because we were we were employees. Let's just say that we were employees, and regardless sure. of our level and what we were getting paid, you know, our job was to basically take away any of the stress of the people that we worked for. So you do a lot of that by planning and budgeting. So I always looked at that forward thinking aspect of my role as keeping my boss happy because mm-hmm. knew we were busy not having to justify our headcount and then having a lot of interesting things for my my team to do so I can coach them I can challenge them I can teach them and and from my own experiences and I won't name all their names on the podcast you can look at my LinkedIn for more detail but <laughs> a lot of the people that worked for me over those years have gone on to have really great careers mostly actually outside of the media business mm-hmm. yeah. more so in the in the in the product business we're building digital products for what I would call brands that need, need to innovate but always having what what we learned through our media careers was always having that eye toward it's not just a customer it's not yeah. just a number you actually have to resonate with them and in in our bailiwick that means resonate with them digitally somehow mm-hmm. that's right Ex- exactly and so is it because i'm a it's funny you say that because i'm a product guy at heart and i just i started in in design and so that's that's my you know I always said in you know in media you're coming up through through one of three streams either you're you're a journalist or a content producer or you come up through sales and marketing or or you come up through um, through product and so that's you know the last one is is where where I came up through and so so you're right and they and, you know they the, but the the challenge I think in, in managing that is making sure that you still remain reactive enough. Um, and open enough to, because, you know, it's a cliche now that, you know, the world's changing so quickly and digital is moving so fast that it's, that it's changing so fast that you can't keep up. Um, it's a cliche, but it's, some of it is true because some of the stuff that we thought we were going to do at the beginning of the year, we never end up doing, uh, and we do a whole host of other things. So for me, the planning was always important, but making sure that, um, you know, and, and at some places, and I, I won't name names, but. I think the budgeting, if I remember, I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head now, but we we needed to come when it from a revenue perspective, we needed to forecast and be actual with a, some crazy variance of three percent or five percent or something like that, um, and we needed to do that in, I want to say August. Uh, we need to come up with that plan for the following uh, calendar slash fiscal year. Um, and again, coming from a digital background in a non-digital company, um, that was that was I won't say tough because you know you do what you do, but like it was interesting uh, nonetheless. So, so that's that's the thing. But I think the the, the interesting um, places where I've landed are ones that kind of get that and get digital and really want to do well at digital. But of course, that means having to dial back a little bit of the the, the rigor around the traditional business planning. 
Yeah, and I think when, when you when you break down the difference between a digital role and what I call a traditional broadcast role or a journalism role, um, not to diminish any of the challenges in the other parts and facets it's, of the business. It's huge. Yeah, it's but, huge. You know, for example, you know, if I walked up to a media company today with a pile of money and I said, you know, I want to feature in your new show or I want to create this uh, billboard or lower third, I mean, they could they have all the resources and people sitting there waiting to turn that around, you know, yeah. on a dime. Yeah. And always with digital, the u- unique ideas required development. And as yeah. we both know, because like what we're talking about, we're both product people at heart. Yeah. Is you don't you don't do that on a dime. Yeah. Even though you yeah. have all the skills around you to do that. And that I think to this day is still very difficult for for the media world to understand is we just can't turn on a dime, unfortunately. And you can't build the perfect product or have the perfect content management system that can achieve all of those objectives. No, it, it's a, it's an evolution, right? Like it's a I and I've I, you know I've always now said like the because everybody thinks about the launch of the thing. Right, the launch day is the is the is the big milestone. Like you know, I, I, I'm, now I'm in, I'm in the habit of saying no. It's like I don't know. It's ten percent, right? We're going to launch this thing, but it's the ongoing after that. Because all too often, as as I'm sure you well know, we would focus too much on launch date, and then resources would get pulled out to somewhere else. Um, and so the thing that we just launched starts depreciating almost immediately. Because it's a living thing, right? It's a it's a digital thing. We can make changes to at any time. We're getting audience feedback all the time. Audience behavior and audience expectations are changing all the time. And so, we we launch it Jan one of twenty twenty. By Jan one twenty twenty one, it could be completely different for all the right reasons because we've got we've got that kind of feedback. Um, and we're going and we're going a little bit of a direction I didn't think. We, Ahead, but it's great. I mean, we're speaking a little more about the product world, and, and I'll and I'll yeah. bring us into the startup world. I think sure. I think as we as the world works its way uh, through digital transformation, which has been accelerated given the current pandemic, um, what I had already been observing, and which you just did a great job of articulating, was you know the launch is really is really the beginning, and where where we always struggled outside of promos on broadcast to operationalize and make that new thing, that new widget, you know, part of the DNA of what we do. When we compare that now to all of these businesses going through this transformation, the the resourcing part, the operations part, the marketing yeah. part, the ongoing investment in the technology. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a multi-billion dollar company or you have a small business. Um, what I what I've seen as I've kind of made a move outside of media and into more product focused user experience and helping mm-hmm. companies solve these problems is that they, they don't, they don't get it. Yeah. They, and yeah. the smaller you are, the, the less resources you have available to actually drive, you know, the, the business outcomes that you need to through these investments. But enough about that. I think we've, uh, we've had a great talk <laughs> on that. I want to, with the time we have, uh, always being conscious of the audience and their enjoyment of the backstage project. Hopefully podcast. they are. I hope so. Let's well, let's talk a little bit about CBC. Um, what what you can mm-hmm. talk about? It seems like sure. you have a really exciting role there. A, a great uh, culmination of of all the skill sets that we've talked about already today. And and I've always been envious of of CBC, and in, in mostly because they were so broad in what they were able to do. I've mm-hmm. never actually worked for CBC, so I don't know the depths of how that looks kind of when you when you pull the curtain back but you have a really exciting role from what i gather which is 
you're looking for opportunities across all those business lines to, I'll just say, do better. What's that like? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's actually really interesting. You know, I, uh, like you, I'd always been a, an outsider and, you know, as Canadians, of course, we all have opinions about the CPC on the outside looking in and, and, um, you know, what's, what's really been interesting, um, getting there is, is, uh, this, this idea. And I've, I've said it to a number of people and internally, cause you touched on a little bit, you know, we're, you know, in, in, in past lives, we've been about, it's been about the business. It's been about the revenue. It's been about the ROI and, and all of that absolutely is, center at cbc but it's a different it's a different kind of roi and it's a um and there's a there's a mandate um and it's and it's a real mandate it's a real mandate to to reach all canadians and and be culturally relevant to all canadians and to tell stories especially ones that um that don't necessarily have mass appeal but telling stories right across the country and not you know, in, the, in our world of shrinking resources and shrinking budgets where, you know, any business, um, you know, would put scarce resources into, into the primary drivers of that business where they, where that drives the most revenue. Um, I, I think the CBC is really doing a good job. And I should say CBC, I've had to do Canada because both, um, you know, CBC is used interchangeably, interchangeably for both English and the, and the French um, uh, uh, piece. So uh, there's a, there's a real mandate. So, you're working for all the things that you've worked for already uh, in your career, but then there's this just added piece where where the audience really is very real in what we're doing, and it's part of the conversation every time. So that that's been very refreshing in that way, and a piece that, that maybe I didn't expect going in, and maybe I should have. Um, but um, but that's been but that's been good. And so so you know what I'm doing there is is looking at primarily on the commercial side, right? So um, CBC as a public entity gets gets public funding. And what we're trying to do as much as we can is augment that with commercial revenue. Um, and of course, then the, you know, going back to my first point, the, 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 the idea there is that, is that any of that, any up, anything that we get on top of uh, any commercial revenue we get can be reinvested back into the company for the public good. It doesn't go back to shareholders. It goes back into producing more content and doing more of what, of what the CBC does. Um, and so, so that's so that's what I'm doing there, and so that's you know we're looking at everything from um, you know current business lines and everything's on the table. You know, this, I'm part of this corporate development group that is um, I think has taken on a, a bit of a different form. I've been there for about a year and a half, so I think still fairly young uh, relative to, to others um, in the organization. But um, you know, anything's on the table. Let's look at uh, what we're doing. Is it commercially? viable are we leaving anything on the table um does it still align with our mandate because we're not out to make 10 bucks just to make 10 bucks um we still want 10 bucks but um not at the expense of of uh of uh, of the mandate and our uh, and the ability to serve all canadians so um so that that's been that's been really interesting and, and even even the 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 uh, culturally the piece as well as a um, trying to find opportunities that um, are for Canadians, but also hopefully also support um, other Canadian entities and other Canadian businesses in our industry. And I, there's some things that I, I mean, I can't go into a whole lot of what what I'm working on, but um, one of the one of our one prime focus of what we're doing is is um, is is trying to to be a better player. Um, 
in the in any industry that we're in and trying to trying to help you know one, the one thing we do have is that cbc reaches most canadians right it's it's we reach 75 i think with covid now it's in the in the news bump it's like 80 percent of all canadians or something but we have a platform we have scale we have reach we have a megaphone um and so how do we use that in a way um that we've already always tried to use it but how do we use it in new ways yeah i think from from, from my vantage point and knowing a little bit about CBC over the years and working with them, um, the, the department that you're in, the group that you're in, and how it has uh, this view from uh, you know, 30,000 feet, let's say, yeah. into all the different aspects of CBC, it's, it's really a, it's a breath of fresh air. Because I have heard, we've had guests on the podcast already who have worked at CBC and have talked about historically. Now, these are people who go back to like working at, this, in the, at the CBC like to like the seventies. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. for context, yeah, and so yeah. they, they talk about a different CBC. They talk about one that had a lot of silos and I mean, news in particular was yeah. dominant, but if you turn the clock back, I mean, that's really, there was news and hockey night in Canada and that was it. And, and where CBC has come over the last, let's call it 40, 50 years. Yeah. Being, you know, one of the, having some of the largest breadth of content offerings you know, in the country. Uh, and thank goodness, you know, the, the government does support that because it does give us as Canadians opportunity to engage on all kinds of platforms. You've also done a great job. Um, CBC has on being on new platforms. Yeah. In meaningful ways. Um, yeah. So that willingness to bring Canadian content, into platforms that we might be on, you know, whether that was early days with companies like Apple and the App Store. Um, I won't compare it to to social, and you know, I'm, I didn't do an analysis of your TikTok strategy, which uh, by all accounts uh, would be short lived <laughs> if you had one, because I think the US yeah. them for yeah. reasons. Um, and we can maybe maybe talk a little bit about data as part of your role and the data that yeah. you guys are accumulating and what you're doing with it. Because I think it's very topical. I mean, you're, you know, when as soon as you leave kind of the over-the-air business, which is how CBC is available, along with some other networks are available yeah. to yeah. to all Canadians with with an antenna, not just a, a cable distribution subscription. Um, yeah. You're in this world where you know the audience, and and in particular because of your broad reach, you probably know more audience than any of the other uh, media outfits out there. So. How, how do you look at data and what you're doing with data and the social platforms and your Googles and your, yeah. whether that's, um, and Facebook and getting into the, the ad world a little bit, you know, how does that, how does that play out in your day to day? It's a, it's a good question. You know, just to touch on the, the, the note about silos, um, it, that's not a CBC thing, right? It's, uh, you know, everywhere I've been, I'm certainly everywhere you've been, right? Like, and so, you know, there's some, there's always some sort of, Henrying about silos at the CBC, and but it's not again, it's not unique to to the public broadcaster. It's a big company. It's seventy five hundred people, I think, across Canada. So that's going to happen in different regions, um, physically across Canada. So, um, but I, I would say, and I still consider myself a little bit of an outsider because I've only been there for for a short time, uh, and I still have a, an outsider's perspective. But there's a there's a genuine uh, authenticity and uh, and. Uh, uh, desire in, internally to break those down where, wherever they come up with everybody that, that, I, that I had the pleasure to work with. So that sounds like a bit of a, of a CBC flag waving thing, but it's frankly, it's true. 
Um, no, that's great. We want, we want, we want honesty here. That's, that's... It, it, it is, it is. And I, I, I've been, I've been happily surprised because again, I've, you know, I had my own opinions on the outside looking in and, uh, um, and so it's been, it's been so far, it's been really great. And so, you know, thinking, things about data, you know, data is very important, um, to the CBC as it is to anybody. Uh, we've got to be responsible with it, right? This is the, this is the era of privacy. Um, and so, and so that, that's something that's really important. And, you know, we've, I think we've turned down, Certainly across my inbox, we've turned down several opportunities that maybe we would have gone after at a, at a private company. Um, but, but because we're the public broadcast, we've turned them away because we just weren't comfortable with the data collection, data storage, um, what we were asking of users and what and the optics of what that even would mean and, and how that would align to, um, to the CBC brand. But of, for all the things that, you know, that, that, you know, that media values as far as data goes, all of those things and those KPIs are, are important in getting that data. But I think there's a, there's a greater layer of uh, responsibility that I'm feeling uh, having conversations at the CBC that I, I wouldn't have had at other companies that are, that are, that are no, that don't have that kind of public mandate, you know, and, and things like, you know, whether you're talking about social or over the air and, television you know social has been an interesting one um and it's something that i've been working on for the past six months is looking at our social media footprint it's funny that you mentioned tiktok because we're we're still we're still trying to figure out what the what the next move is of course you know recent news um you know with microsoft and maybe this will be dated by the time it it, it gets released but um it, it's still a wait and see but you know, when we were talking about serving all audiences, like I mentioned before, you know, in doing the, the social media um, work, you're finding that in, in, in places with low bandwidth, for instance, um, northern communities is a, are a good example where Facebook is very important to us up there um, because, because there's low bandwidth. The connectivity isn't there. And so it, the, the fact remains is that Facebook loads faster on a, any kind of device than our owned and operated property. And so as a, as a conduit, as a, as a way to connect with audiences in certain parts of the country, it, it turns out that, that other platforms are, uh, are, are just as important as, as our own and operate until, until that, until that kind of situation improves. So. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's great perspective. I, I have not considered that at all. So thanks. Neither for, did I. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I, with the uh, time we have left, uh, we just had a few rapid fire type questions uh, that yeah. you're not prepared for that we like to ask Great. every guest. Let's do it. <laughs> so let, let's just do it. Uh, so if you had to pick uh, one moment in your career, uh, what would you say was the most memorable? God, um, that's, that's a good one. Just a spring on somebody. Um, you know, I memorable. I, there've been a lot, um, you know, I would say, I don't know, me memorable, I, look, I, st I stood next to Henry Winkler at a buffet once, you know, the Fonz, right? <laughs> like, you know, for anybody, I love for it. anybody our age, that's a, that's, that's a pretty a good thing. And I actually chickened out. I didn't, I didn't introduce myself, although other people were, and he looked like a really nice guy. Um, but I, but again, I, I, that's memorable, but I would, you know, if I could turn the question, I might say meaningful, right? Like, I think that the ones that stand out, the ones that pop into my head when I least expect it are 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 the where I, I think I've been able to help people with their careers 
um, and advancements and open up new opportunities and advocate for projects or people. Um, and even, even something like, um, like at CTV, we launched CTV extend, you know, you're talking about innovation earlier. CTV extend was this, this fairly short lived thing where when I went in and I said, you know, I, again, I see, I see, see, I see television as the appliance in the living room. I see CTV as, as synonymous with television. What if synonym, what if CTV was synonymous with just great entertainment content? And this is a time, this is 2012 when I said, you know, there's this burgeoning uh, uh, industry of web series and digital series. This is even before Netflix really started taking off, but their producers producing short form stuff online that they couldn't get on television. I think there's something here. What if we brought some of that stuff in and what if we created a hub and a, and a destination for that alongside the, t- the television? We're still talking about premium quality stuff. And they, you know, what I heard at the time was there's no way. We just, we're not going to do that. And then it, you know, it took a couple of years, but within a couple of years, we launched this thing called CTV Extend, where we started working with independent producers to um, to give up, excuse me, a platform and a destination to to web series and digital series. I don't even think they call it web series anymore, but that kind of it. Like when I left CTV, that was one thing that I was that I was most proud of is is doing that and 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 um, getting in early with something. No, that's great. And legacy is such a huge part of you know, who we are and and why we continue to be relevant in the space. So moving toward another question quickly, the. Uh, for someone who's looking to get into, you know, our area or your area, yeah. let's call it corporate strategy. Now that's kind of really where you are. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you have for them uh, looking to chart a path there? Someone early, early on in their career. You know, I think I think it's about being open, and I think it's about learning from where wherever you can, and not getting so uh, narrow about. You know, we we look when we look at when we look at doing something new. For instance, we'll go and look at the the competitive set. Um, and then we just kind of do what other media companies are doing, especially those that are ahead of us. But I, I really think there's a lot to learn um, from other businesses, whether it's the hospitality industry or the airline industry or uh, uh, kind of in the same group, but uh, uh, restaurants, right? How do you how do you create a membership? When you, you know, I was standing in line one time and there was a way to there was a really interesting way for me just to, to sign up with my phone. Um, using a code that was that had much less friction than anything that I'd ever seen before, and I, I was and it was it was I was getting takeout at a restaurant, right? And so I think that's it. It's just being open and aware and trying to find interesting experiences, and then figuring out how to apply those to what you do. Oh, it's great! Open mind and diversity and ideas. I mean, this is what we all we all need to drive the the industry forward. And so, final final question was uh, get you getting you to kind of turn the clock back over your twenty plus year career. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you know now that's kind of part of how you look at a problem or a situation that that you wish you knew back then? Mm, that's uh, that's a good one. Um, I, I I wish. I wish I held true to the audience first mantra, something we always say and we always try to do, but then other things come into play. I, I am a firm, firm believer that you think about the audience first. And if you, if you do that well, everything else will follow, including the revenue and including the money. And so, you know, if I, if this was me giving advice back to my, you know, 22 year old or 25 year old self, that would be it. 
No, it's great that you shared that um, today. We, uh, I got similar advice from a very successful fellow who uh, went a little something like this. If you can make the world a better place, you can make money from it. From it, hundred percent, the same spirit, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, Chris, this has been great. I really appreciate your your time today, and uh, I, I look forward to uh, the chance to catch up with you in person. Hopefully, hopefully soon, and um, and good luck. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how CBC progresses through the Chris Skinner uh, era. <laughs> as best as I can do. I'm much appreciated. Thanks for having me on today, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. The Backstage Project Podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Go. They help organizations create extraordinary digital products. To learn more, go to readysetgo.design. If you would like to get in touch with Mark and the team at the Backstage Project Podcast, please email us at info at tpbpodcast.com.